Before we get into this episode, I just want to say a huge thank you to our supporters, Festival Republic. You've probably spent a weekend in a field with them at some point. They put on some of the UK's best known festivals. They're also leading when it comes to sustainability. From powering their events with cleaner energy to sending zero waste to landfill, they've already switched single-use plastic bottles to those made from recycled materials, brought in deposit return schemes for cups and trialled ideas like labelling the carbon footprint of the food on sale. They're also active in greening the music industry more broadly. They've signed up to Music Declares Emergencies pledges and they're a driving force within Vision 2025, a body bringing outdoor events and climate goals together. Sounds Like a Plan is all about ideas and solutions, so it made sense to me to team up with one of the most proactive festival organisers out there. One of their main events is the incredible Leeds Festival, always such a huge lineup. It takes place at Bramham Park, Leeds, from the 26th to the 28th of August 2022. Weekend tickets are already on sale so head to leadsfestival.com forward slash tickets that's leadsfestival.com forward slash tickets to get yours so big up festival republic for their support and their essential work they say their job is to preserve the live music experience for generations to come and that is something that we can all get behind Hello and welcome to Sounds Like a Plan, a podcast all about how the music world is taking action in the climate crisis. My name is Greg Cochran. I'm a podcaster and journalist. And I'm Faye Milton, a musician, producer and co-founder of Music Declares Emergency, a campaigning organisation bringing music into the fight against climate change. And this time we are coming to you from Glasgow during the UN's historic COP26 climate summit. Music has had a big presence here. We'll be bringing you up to speed on all the panels, action and gigs that have been happening through throughout this crucial fortnight. And Shikari were here playing some shows supporting the No Music on a Dead Planet campaign and we caught up with singer Rao Reynolds to hear about his COP26 experience. So let's get into this, a COP26 special of Sounds Like a Plan. Faye, we made it to Glasgow. We are here at COP26. Um, First off, how are you feeling? How are you doing? <laughs> I feel like I need to check in on you. Um, I feel like I need to check in on myself. Well, it's been an absolute <laughs> sort of roller coaster, not roller coaster, wrong word, but like I've been doing panels in the day and then evening events in the evening. And it's every it's quite hard to get across Glasgow. So there's been a lot of like logistical, there's been a lot of walking and walking. I'm absolutely exhausted, but it's been really fun. We've just done such a nice panel with Aurora, Nick Mulvey and Sam Fisher. Sam Fisher, that's it, um, who jumped in last minute um, and Kiara from Julie's Bicycle and yeah, they're just such inspiring artists. Um, Aurora I'm a particular fan of. Um, she's just got this very beautiful energy and um, can, can go between like really recognising the depth and the tragedy of of the climate issues and loss of biodiversity and then sort of be laughing and light and ethereal the next moment. So it's like a really, yeah, great soul. And Nick Mulvey as well. Um, we've been chatting for ages about climate stuff on yeah. and off. First time we've met in person. So yeah, again, such a deep, um, thoughtful human being. So yeah, it was brilliant. Well, I feel like we should set the scene for listeners to tell them a little bit about what's going on broadly in Glasgow and what COP26 has been like, because um, we're speaking now, we're about halfway through COP26 fortnight. Um, 
to let you know where we are, Faye and I are sat on the floor at the top of a set of stairs in a church. Uh, we, we look like podcasters. <laughs> we do like, we're totally <laughs> doing all this on the fly. And also we've been trying to kind of like sort of get to meet up the last few days to, to record this podcast. And as, already, as Faye already mentioned, what we've learned is if you come to COP and you might have a plan, all plans sort of go out of the window because it is so all-encompassing. It takes over the city. Getting anywhere because of the, the way that the event is, is, you know, is taking over. There's so many people here. It's just not that easy. It's, 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 it's it like is, being at Glastonbury. It is a bit like <laughs> being at Glastonbury. Yeah. It's, been li- it's been really nice weather, mainly. It's, it's absolutely pouring today. But um, mm. other than the welly boots and mud, it's, it's a bit like, you know, you... you you suddenly realise you need to be an hour across the city and you don't know how to get there and you bump into everyone on the way like, yeah. oh, hello. Absolutely, and, yeah. you lose all your mates, you lose, lose all, all mates. You, there's very little sleep. So yeah, here we are at the top of a set of stairs at St. Luke's venue uh, in Glasgow that's been hosting some of the, the panels that Faye was just talking about. More broadly, so COP26 has taken over Glasgow. The way it works is there are different areas, but things are happening all over the place, but there's the official blue zone, which is what most probably people have been hearing about or seeing on TV, which is the kind of official campus centre where all the world leaders were earlier in the week. That was on full lockdown. Enormous police presence, as you'd expect, because obviously you had like everybody from Joe Biden to Boris Johnson. A lot of major world leaders there um, right at the start of the week. But then beyond that, you have the green zone, which is the kind of like, uh, which is part of the official COP26 programme, but is open to the public. Um, so people can go in and watch some talks and there's like some exhibitors things going on there. And then beyond that, there's just so much fringe activity happening. So exactly like we've just been talking about, loads of panels, loads of talks, loads of meetups, gatherings, drinks, speeches, workshops, just everything, you name it, it's all mm. been happening in Glasgow. And then of course, the marches and the protests. And so like Glasgow has been abuzz with all of this activity, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the real sort of, the, the I don't know if stark difference is the right word, but on one of the evenings we were at a Make My Money Matter dinner, which was, there are a group who are trying to green the pension funds of, of the UK and beyond, which is trillions of pounds. It's a, you could do a huge amount of great work with that money. Um, and we were, you know, sipping champagne with um, the head of Aviva and, you know, all these people. But they're all doing this amazing work as well. Aviva are doing great work. There's really interesting financial solutions to removing money from polluters, basically, and putting it towards green investment. So it's really interesting to hear that and feel like you're hobnobbing a bit. And then the next day we went on the Fridays for Future March and heard all the speeches it's very grounding to hear so many amazing speakers, young, young speakers from the global south, from South America and Latin America. And it's um, just speaking about how their friends and family being killed for their climate activism and the, the urgency of, of that that really makes you realise that this is, it's, it's, it's so many things. You know, there's so many things to think about with, with the climate issue and it, it really is, Work in all of those areas is important. This is my first COP experience. It's not your first COP experience, but you just mentioned it there. I've been here a week and I'm basically, if I'm being completely honest with the people listening, I haven't really got my head around it. I still feel quite overwhelmed by what you just described as being like 
one moment you might find yourself amongst officials or, or, or in a place that feels very kind of like corporate or amongst sort of power or, or however you mm. want to put it and then the moment and then the next you're, you're out there and you're, you're with kind of with people on a march or you're you're at a fringe event and it feels incredibly real and cop is this variety of experiences and i haven't it's taken me some time to compute that have, have you got your head around that those kind of colliding worlds absolutely not and i think um greta's been talking about how it's quite an exclusive cop Definitely. um yeah. I, I went to cop 21 in paris mm-hmm. and it was like there was this big area where anyone could go in and there was all this activist training and mm-hmm. i heard naomi klein speak and the head of 350.org um bill mckibben and just amazing speakers this time i mean partly due to us being really busy and not managing to plan it but maddie who i've been here mainly with we didn't book tickets to anything in advance mm. we haven't been inside any part of the actual cop mm. i don't actually even know how to get in it's, it, it does feel like yeah it does feel a bit exclusive i spent the first couple of days of this week in the blue zone and i found the experience quite bewildering to be honest mm. um so as I already said, the police presence is absolutely enormous. The, the security around the event is, I don't know if it's unprecedented, but it just feels nothing like I've ever seen before. You come out of the station and it was kind of, all the roads were shut. There was just rows, hundreds and hundreds of police. And I'm not over-exaggerating with that. Um, you go into the, the kind of blue zone area and it's, and you know, th- there were definitely a lot of the criticisms that have been lef- leveled at that are 100% valid around the accessibility the kind of the, the types of voices that have been given a platform in that area. So I think that if you're reading and you've heard about that, then I think it's absolutely true. And also I was just overwhelmed by the amount of people and media that were in there, which I guess world leaders haven't kind of congregated on this scale for quite a while. So maybe that's that's not a surprise. But there were just hundreds and hundreds of TV crews and radio mm. and online and everything and it was just it was just a scrum it was it was climate's really trending greg it is trending (laughs) isn't it yeah finally completely i mean we were we were stood together for the speeches um at the fridays for future rally Mm. and there were tons as i said tons of speakers from the global south amazing people you'll never get to meet and those voices and messages that people have traveled across the world to bring us those messages Mm. and then the press are all just waiting for Greta. I know. I and know. as soon as she came on, they all jumped up on there. Like, I don't know if listeners, dear listeners, if you've seen paparazzi before in the flesh, they bring little ladders around with exactly. them so they can get higher uh, than uh, each yeah, other. Exactly. They're all so climbing to get a better shot like, than each other. Pop their ladders up. Mm. And there's these like, lovely little boys in front of us and they were trying to see past these. They queued for five hours yeah, to see Greta and then somebody the puts hero. a set of stairs in front of them so it they can't see. It did feel very... Um, I don't know, analogous. Is that a word? I don't know, but we can go with it. (laughs) No, yeah, it it didn't... Of, you know, privilege and just listeners can make their own inferences there. I I think my main takeaway about actually being in that part of COP26 earlier in the week was that I felt incredibly humble to be amongst people that had so many different nationalities, indigenous people, land defenders. There were some of them in there, not that many. Admittedly, I didn't see that many, but... I, I I just was I felt overwhelmed that people had made such sacrifices and huge journeys to be there to be to, to try and create some kind of platform to say yeah. like you need to do this and so I actually found that quite emotional to be honest like coming yeah. out of, of that area and then and it just felt oh it's the best way I can put it is. COP26 is an experience of, it's a spectrum of an experience and some of it is at odds because you hear somebody saying my home's going to disappear in the next couple of years and in the next breath 
I'm looking up at one of the VIP boxes in the main center of the Blue Zone and I can see Jeff Bezos eating his lunch in an empty restaurant that presumably has been shut for his benefit. And it just feels weird. Did you see Jeff Bezos eating his lunch? I did see Jeff uh, Bezos eating his lunch. What did that look like? Just a man chewing some oh, lunch. Oh, I can't imagine him eating. <laughs> you can't imagine him eating. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, Greg, so can it's I, strange. Can I tell you my two most interesting learnings? Please, two please. Two really kind of straightforward things. One of which is that as you mentioned, land defenders, that were a lot of the speeches yesterday at Fridays for Future were from um, indigenous land defenders. And what that really translates to is that indigenous peoples make up a very small percentage of the global population, but they are actually the protectors of over 80% of our biodiversity. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously relentlessly attacked from all sides and, and tried, you know, just put upon by the whole world. So it's defend our defenders is a really great thing to sort of step up and look into um look into i don't know yet i haven't had a chance to google it yet but what ways can we in the uk um or wherever you are probably not in the rainforest how can we get behind those people support them whether it's politically Mm. or um or whether it's with money or whatever find out what would be the the best thing and number two i found out that Fossil fuel subsidies, so we always hear that the fossil fuel um, industry is subsidised. Do you know what those subsidies are? They're, they're tax rates. They're basically fossil fuels don't pay tax. Fossil fuel industries, Shell, BP, etc. They get tax rates. I have to pay my tax. I'm sorry, but like, Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? Um, yeah, so it's been... The word that is used is subsidies, but basically they're getting way about paying tax. So that has to change. Absolutely. What, what kind of... I'm sure this has happened whilst you've been here at COP26, and it will definitely happen when you get back, I'm sure. People will say, what did it feel like? Did you feel hopeful? Are we going to do it? And, and, and it, those are all understandable and very kind of direct questions that friends and family mm. ask us, you know, because we've, we've been here. And, I mean, I, I'd like to know what you think of that. And, and I've, got, I've got some thoughts of my own on that and how it's kind of almost difficult to really answer. It's really difficult to answer. I mean... Yeah, some of the conversations, especially at the, the finance dinner thing that I went to, and I never meet those people, you know, it's really not my world. And there were some really sort of, it's really great to know that these people who are demonised, you know, the man in the suit uh, who works in finance, this, this sector that's really demonised, um, actually there's really good people in that sector really trying to make difference and wielding their privilege, basically, <laughs> and power to make really fundamental changes to to how things are funded. So that gives me great hope. Um, Another woman was talking about, she works with all the, you know, witch.com? So it's like like a global network of those to um, sort of harness the power of suggestion um, for what people buy and to make a green standard basically for that. So that was, it's like these things that people are working away in areas that you've never thought of. And that gives me great hope. Um, and then also just, I'm such an optimist, but really hearing Greta and, and the lots of the youth speakers, it did really drill at home that our governments just, I think the word bullshit was used quite a lot. And it did take the edge off my optimism a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I rather naively came to COP thinking that perhaps I would get some more clarity. I'm going to come away thinking about this in really kind of, 
straight lines and I'm going to understand a lot more. <laughs> and actually what the experience has been like is like an explosion of emotions. And mm. like I've basically just picked up even more fragments of the way that I feel about things, like the determination, the, the, the empathy of being, you already mentioned amongst the kind of like land defenders, like you, it was utterly heartbreaking, like mm. hearing some of those people speak yesterday at the march. Frustration, optimism, hearing about solutions, all these things are all mixed in. So when somebody comes to you and says, are we gonna do it? Are you being hopeful? I can't answer that question. Mm. I'm not, I'm, honestly, I'm nowhere near close enough to the activity that's actually happening within the kind of the the four walls of of you know the the sort of official cop building to 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 really know that or have that high level of thinking but even just being here just sort of shatters the illusion that oh it's going to come and come away from it and be like we went to cop and we got it all sorted (laughs) yeah it's not how it works i don't think no you know it's not a linear thing it's not a one it's not a one question Mm. you know it's like things like women's rights that's a that's a one Mm. point Mm. thing Mm. you know um but this isn't it's like billions of points it involves everybody and and all different it's very it's like a fractal you look into it and there's more there and you look into it and there's more there yeah great way of describing it it has i think for me it has especially like listening to those young indigenous speakers and really just we're all looking to our governments to make huge changes and they need to we need to hold them to account but also i need to look at my own life and say look if i want our country to be carbon neutral then i need to make my own life carbon neutral and i don't know how to do that just yet but i know a few things to do you know just get fewer taxis just get public transport instead (laughs) stuff like that because i don't drive i can't really cut out driving yeah just be more aware of that and just be more serious about it because i feel like Personally, because I work in this sector, I feel like, oh, it's all right if I throw away my hummus pot without recycling it because I'm too tired from trying to save the world all day. But you can get a bit slack and, and let things go. But actually, when you hear what struggles people are going through around the world and what they're losing, people are losing their lives for this. And, you know, they're really seriously, they were talking about schools getting washed away in floods. And it's like, this is, we're so privileged in this country. And it's like, the least we can do to really make some changes. But I think, like, whenever you do something good for yourself, like you go to the gym, it's not like you think it's not going to be enjoyable, but you feel good afterwards. Mm. So I think mm. it's going to be a bit like that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Let's talk music for a minute, because obviously we're, we're here, we've set the scene of what, what's going on with COP26, where, where we've been a little bit. But music has had a really significant presence here. Like, y- you've been buzzing all the way around. You've been, I think you've kind of been to every part of Glasgow the last few days. I'm not going to kind of, like, make you regurgitate your, your schedule and where you've been and what you've been doing, but is there anything you want to pick out, anybody that you've met, anybody you've spoken on a panel with, anything that's sort of stuck in your mind from the last few days of the things that you've been doing? Yeah, I mean, um, I mentioned a panel today already of the artists we were on, uh, who were on that panel today, but yesterday we had this amazing panel and it was Blue Dot Festival, um, here a music festival and it was in a venue it was like a, a little grungy underground venue and we basically did the panel after the the opening bands and then we stood up and did our panel that's music properly doing climate action yeah it, it was I love that. and we weren't even any chairs so we just had to stand <laughs> up and do it and the host of that panel was this amazing guy called john robb who's a rock and roll punk legend and really great communicator and um, we had a great chat with uh, Claire O'Neill from a Greener Festival. She was talking about, she's also an aerial performer, and she was talking about how psychedelics have played a part in her sort of connection with the earth and, and her activism. And 
Yeah, with Dale Vince as well, who's a the rock star of the green energy world. He's the guy who <laughs> sort of conceptualized and created um, Ecotricity, which is apparently the greenest energy provider in the UK. Um, and yeah, one of the first to really cut through. And yeah, he's just like a rock star, you know, rock star human yeah, without being yeah. a musician. So it's been really great to bump into those same people a few times but definitely the panel last night was really fun as well yeah and there's been some live music action happening as well the start of this week's on sunday night when all of the world leaders the g20 were flying in from rome and 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 cop 26 was really kicking off patty smith was in glasgow playing a gig at the grand theater as part of um pathway to paris organized event so that was sort of set the scene a little bit had the, the legend patty smith in glasgow meant a lot then beyond that we've kind of there have been other music events happening we'll get on to talking about our, our guest on this week's podcast in just a moment but there was audio books and the blue dot festival organized event that you already mentioned that already that had some great live music yeah brilliant i mean i have to say before audio books came on I, I let the other panelists know and the people i was talking to i was like look this is one of my favorite bands yes, that exist so i love them you have to like bear with it's 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 quite idiosyncratic yes um but please watch them and honestly it's like dale vince's favorite new band it's like <laughs> everyone was just loving audiobooks and it was just such a great atmosphere they're, they're brilliant so if anyone hasn't um checked out the band audiobooks give them a listen they've just um put out their second record so yeah completely second that recommendation and tonight the venue we are sat in right now aurora is going to be playing a show along with nick mulvey and some other artists and so like live music has had a big presence here glasgow is like a music city it's got amazing music heritage from primal scream through to franz ferdinand and, and so many great bands bell and sebastian uh, have kind of all come out of glasgow and suppose music spaces have come into their own in terms of hosting some of this cop stuff a lot of the music venues are being used like it's kind of woven into what's actually happening here even the hydro which is the main venue for the blue zone campus is is a mostly at the time is a music venue so you come out of this sort of um very powerful feeling climate concert and the first thing you see is a poster for like a kings of leon gig com like coming up <laughs> for next summer which just feels like you know it's, it's, it's just yeah it's it's here and it's it's everywhere um but our guest on this week's podcast is here playing a couple of shows so earlier on in the week and um, Faye and i got the opportunity to speak to raul reynolds who's the singer in enter shikari and raul was here playing a couple of gigs because they were supporting music declares emergencies no music on the dead planet messaging weren't they so they, they got involved they, they and they felt they wanted to be here yes absolutely it's their first they've played one live show back at the i think it was one of those festivals at a pilot festival mm. and then since then it's their first show since lockdown and they wanted to be in Glasgow. They wanted to represent, talk to their audience about what was happening. And yeah, I've, I've got to say, what a lovely man. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Raoul was amazing with his time. Like kind of, you know, as you'll hear in this conversation, he's here in Glasgow doing lots of different things. So we appreciate the fact that he gave us some time to, to speak to us about this. And also huge respect to him and the band for bringing their presence here to be here deliberately playing these shows while COP26 is on. Just a mention of some of the other things that Raoul does. He put out a book earlier this year called A Treatise on Possibility, Perspectives on Humanity Hereafter, which um, is a big recommendation is not just writing about climate action in there but other kind of social issues as well it was like a companion piece to the album that Ed Shikari put out last year so I guess we should introduce this conversation this is Raoul Reynolds recorded in a university cafeteria with a buzzing iron brew vending machine somewhere in the background excuse the noise from that thanks very much to Raoul this is Raoul Reynolds on Sounds Like a Plan recorded during COP26 
Ralph, thanks for joining us on the podcast about a mile and a half away from here and where we're sat right now. World leaders, their policy makers and negotiating teams have obviously been meeting at UN COP26 Climate Summit. Why is it important to you to be in Glasgow during this moment? And also, why is it important being in Glasgow playing these shows at that time as well? Well, I guess it's the, it's the closest conference of the parties that we've had you know, to us, so it feels like we sort of should make the most of it and be here. I think, you know, our, our music, I often think of it as like fuel or like people have told me that it's fuel, like for their activism or for like their determination and passion. And I feel that's a bit of a two-way thing as well. Like I get a lot of inspiration from the activists. So I think just being here felt just felt like our destiny you know it felt like we should definitely be here we should be soaking up the atmosphere we should be making connections we should be learning as much as we can and as well like trying to produce some media that we can get people to think about these issues in which is difficult these days because people's attention spans and you know they prefer videos of cats and things but yeah if we can sneak in a bit of a deeper thought then yeah we'll give it a go and tell us a bit about what you've been up to you've been out and about in Glasgow, you've been in the blue zone. So for anybody who's not familiar, that's the kind of official heart of COP26 where the meetings are taking place and negotiations are taking place, all the press conferences, if you've seen those on TV, that's that's where that's happening. There's also a green zone that's open to the public where people can go in and watch talks and see exhibitions and things like that. So what, what have you been up to today? Well, I basically just got the full tour of it. So it's just been like bewildering, you know, the, the, the sheer size of it all, the, the kind of majesty of it um, and taking it all in so I haven't got to go to any talks or anything yet but I've got the the rest of the week hopefully to learn some stuff but yeah we we just met up with some of the client scientists that that we know and be friends with for a while so Ed Hawkins who did the climate stripes that you may have seen at home these are the stripes that we've used as as a backdrop for a while where you've got the each stripe kind of represents a, a year um, and it goes from blue to red. It's a very aesthetically pleasing way of basically, it's a sort of upgrade of the hockey stick, I suppose, you know, the, the graph from whenever it was that, that that was brought out a long time with Michael Mann's thing. But I think this, to me, it feels a lot more engaging and a lot more immediately sort of like, you know what's going on when you see this graph. So, yeah. I think we need to explain to listeners what the hockey stick is because they might be thinking, what, the right, hockey yeah, stick? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to give it a go or shall I give it a no, go? No, yeah. <laughs> the hockey stick curve is the, basically the graph that you've seen, maybe if you've watched An Inconvenient Truth and mm. Al Gore gets this, I think he's on a cherry picker trying mm. to find the top of the graph where it basically <laughs> just goes from like a really low level of heat warming to just like super shoots up, like like the curve of a hockey stick. So yeah. that's what Rao was talking about just to clarify yeah it's like it's the a a very clear example of exponential growth and it's a very frightening (laughs) example but yeah i think the the, what ed done in like putting all of this you know massive amounts of data and then color coding it effectively it's, it's just it's so visually engaging and he's had so much success with it and we we were very um happy and willing to take it around you know in 2019 we toured Europe with it as our backdrop and stuff and it it's just what's great about it is it's a conversation starter because you see it and you're like it just looks like a piece of art you know it looks like a factory records like post-punk kind of thing it's like very slick very cool and it yeah it just gets people talking it's an entry point I think which is great 
in- integrating your your kind of passion for this subject into the actual into your art into your live show what type of conversations do you end up having with Enter Shikari fans and we yeah, what range of conversations clearly some some people will be like thoroughly engaged with the issue other people will just be maybe fresh to it now so what what type of conversations do, does integrating that kind of thing into your live show have in terms of what you speak to your fans about it's very broad actually like surprisingly so like you know we have some people who we're trying to rescue from the fringes of you know social media conspiracy theory you know climate denial and that kind of thing which are difficult conversations but like i i kind of pride myself in having or trying to have calm you know considerate like conversations with with people who have completely opposite you know views that that, that you do so there's a bit of that i think we're very lucky that our audience is very like receptive to these ideas and and to the science and so then those in, uh, conversations can be just like really interesting and I often find myself learning as as much as uh, you know anyone else's from our fans like I think as well being a band that has been around for over 15 years now a lot of the people who are with us from day one are now you know they've they've got their PhDs they've gone through uni they're, they're doing this and that so it's fascinating getting to meet you know these people involved in be it climate science or biodiversity or whatever it is you know having getting to have those conversations which i wouldn't normally get to have is is fascinating yeah so real range. all of your fans have phds is that basically what you're yeah, saying your fans that, are like into <laughs> shikari fans are incredibly incredibly yeah. intelligent people, people are into your fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, i love it yeah and bless them you know they're just entertaining me having not done university at all <laughs> but yeah how, how do you i mean you've been speaking about this the climate action you're, you're kind of you're been writing about the subject integrated it into the the songs that you you make the lyrics that you write for a long time pretty much pretty much from the start of the band really how far has the issue come in terms of you talking to your peers about climate action in the last few years has it accelerated Yes, immensely. You know, there was a point... uh, I introduced, like, topics like climate change into our lyrics very slowly. Well, not not slowly, but subtly. You know, our first album was just... Everything was shrouded in metaphor. And, you know, I liked, like, addressing these issues, but no one knew I was addressing them, so... Sort of effectively pointless, but, like... And it's slowly, you know, building up confidence to be a bit more strident with what we're talking about. And... as soon as people got an inkling i think you know there there was a sort of immediate switching off you know we we quite quite immediately got labeled as a political band and we just started immediately had to call it like the p word because just calling a band political switches half the population off to you so there was there was a bit of a kickback and i suppose climate change denialism and, and skepticism was much more mainstream you know a decade ago even but yeah like since then it's just been fascinating like and with what you guys are doing there's like a central hub in music where like we can all hear what people are doing from the other side of the industry and and it's just it's just really exciting i think there's been a real turnaround especially in the last few years the reasons for shrouding it in metaphor is Mm. i would imagine it's not wanting to put yourself out there for brutal criticism but also wanting to speak about it so what changed that for you i imagine a lot of it was just gaining confidence in these areas because i'm not a very naturally like 
extroverted or like confident person. So I like, I like to do all the reading and then I'll write lyrics about it. Like, and just so I can make sure I can sort of stick up for myself. Like, cause there was a couple of songs that we wrote about like religion and atheism and stuff like that. And there's a few points where like, I'll be like on our merch stand in, in America or meet, meeting fans or something and being like accosted by these devout believers. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm not a private school boy. I don't, I've never debated, you know, like, I'm not very good at being like, on the spot in a kind of aggravated situation and conflict basically. I mean, this is going back sort of 10, 15 years again, but I, you know, I've always kind of shied away from, from getting into those, those conflicts. But I think, yeah, the more you learn, the more sort of, okay, you feel a bit safe in, in talking about those, those themes and you, you sort of move forward. And... What's your impression of what the wider world is thinking about COP26 happening right now? We'd, we've talked on the podcast before about tipping points in kind of public perception and like awareness. I've been quite sort of blown away at the amount of coverage, for example, there's been in the media. For example, I know that like the one show on BBC One is coming from COP26, which is obviously like it's on before EastEnders on BBC One. Like that's mainstream TV coming from COP26. It's taken a long time for us to get there to have something like that happening. But is that a reflection of people's interest in the subject now, do you think? Yeah, I suppose having it in Great Britain has, has made it really launched it into just like mainstream discussion which is brilliant especially considering throughout 2020 on uk tv channels the word dog was said 20 times more than climate change the word cake was said 10 times more is i mean i love bake-off but like there's there obviously needs to be a bit of a more definitive hierarchy of like the importance of these things i think there's a real spectrum of like what people have as their expectations of what will come out of this and and how it's being portrayed. And I think, you know, there's a lot of righteous indignation from the, from the youth and a lot of pessimism, which I think is kind of understandable, justified pessimism from, you know, the, the kind of failures really, or the, you know, pledges have been made and then they've sort of been remade again and again. Like for instance, the deforestation one that, that came out the other day, which on paper, it looks great, but like basically the same thing was pledged in 2009 and in 2015. So it's like, <laughs> there's a lot of pessimism but I think just the fact that it is it's just become part of mainstream culture now is is yeah good what do you think we most stand to lose you know what's the real emotional hook for you in the work you do around climate like what what keeps you up at night or or makes you feel really sad I think it changes you know it's like I feel like I'm quite a susceptible person like you know I I get emotionally involved in things I mean today so I met one of the delegates from Bangladesh like this is a country that they're already seeing like really extreme effects and when you hear about these real life stories of of struggles of flooding of drought or you know whatever it is around the world you you can't not be emotionally affected by that as an empathetic human being like and it's just a classic thing like in here in the west for want of a better term like we're sort of protected we're geographically protect I mean I mean there's we're gonna have big big problems especially what was it Mumbai I was talking about the other day the the jet stream is it like if that basically yeah. stops and it's already showing signs of flickering as the scientists call it that it, you know it's it, it may be approaching a tip, tipping point then then the UK could be plunged into a completely different climate so it's not like we can just go oh yeah it's just gonna get a bit warmer for us in the UK it's gonna be fine like there's there's serious stuff that's you know on the horizon but yeah I think it's important to try and try and see those other perspectives from elsewhere in the world especially that 
I think in the UK we have an extra sense of responsibility the fact that we're kind of the starting point of the industrial revolution or whatever you know and we've we've kind of brought this this way of living and the, and the this sort of energy sector around the world which has obviously done many great things but is now quite clearly needs to be completely changed cop 26 broadly you're, you're sticking around for a few days you're playing these shows what are you looking to get out of the experience like what are you hoping like next week when you kind of head home or head to the next tour dates what are you hoping to get out of it who are you hoping to meet what are you hoping to experience sort of selfish but i just i mainly want to learn and just absorb and then try and relay as much of that as i can to to people and you know who, who knows it may go on to inspire new music or it may just be something that we can we can talk about on live streams and, and whatever else yeah I'm, I'm just really looking forward to to catching up i mean so so yeah met ed today but then there's another climate scientist richard betts who's just an incredible wealth of of, of knowledge he's a professor at exeter uni and then there's you know a lot, a lot of the like youth activism circles I'd, I'd love to sort of meet some people in there and you know <laughs> what, what series it said that about how madonna feeds on the blood of the of the young to stay young <laughs> I, I feel there's there's like something in that like you know the the enthusiasm and passion and intelligence you know that that is abundant in the generations that are coming up now i feed off that you know that that keeps me going as a sort of slightly now older pessimistic you know uh, cynical bastard that i am you know <laughs> so yeah i think just yeah trying to as meet as many people as i can and learn as much as i can and yeah and give like i'm going to do a couple of live streams tomorrow from the from the blue zone hopefully and just show people what it's like because i don't think I didn't. I had no idea. And when I've heard you um, speak on this or, or write about this subject before, I, I wanted like listeners to hear of you talk a little bit about how you compared it to the kind of George Orwell spaceship kind of th- th- that sort of visual, the way of visualising the situation that we find ourselves in. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind just like explaining that because I think it's a really useful way of just sort of encapsulating what's at stake and how we're all in this together. Yeah, well, you know, I won't be able to uh, <laughs> be as grand as Orwell, but yeah, I think. I'm not sure whether he made the term or he got it from somewhere else. You know, these things seem to have trails of inspiration. But yeah, Spaceship Earth, just this idea that this is our only life-supporting system. It's a very complex natural system and we're without doubt changing that system. So it's, it's like, you know, I don't know how far I can extend this metaphor, but you know, we're on this ship, we've got our foot to down on the pedal, we're just hooning it through space. We're using up all our resources. We're not, we've got no sense of like any kind of like imbrity of the spaceship and like, well, hold on a minute, shouldn't there be some kind of organization of how we're using the resources on the spaceship, the only life supporting system we have. Um, and so I think it's a great way to come to a, a real broad realization of just how impotent our economic system is to our current plight. That perfectly kind of encapsulates. It's great to hear it put in those terms because I think it helps people imagine that we're basically, we we are in this kind of like sealed in capsule, the only environment that we know of, and we're 
and you can't what are you just destroying it as it kind of like passes through the universe like it's this it's a great way of thinking about it i think and it helps people i think it puts a great picture to the to the problem that we face and that's to the sort of the feeling of vulnerability of mm. of everything of humans of, of everything on the planet because i think economics like the word like the p word you know it's something that can just switch people off straight away but if you think of like economics at its core what it is you know, it derives from the Greek oikonomia, or, or excuse my pronunciation, which basically means the intelligent management of a household. So whether we use the spaceship analogy or the household analogy, I think they're, they're both so apt because it's like, is a system based on self-interest, on competition, on individualism, with a complete disregard to the damage and the costs, you, you know, they call it the externalities in, in econ- economics, that is not the intelligent management of a household. And I think, I think when we have these analogies, like anyone can understand that. And when we can talk about these things to the very wide public, then, then we can get mass movements, I think. So yeah, I think those, those metaphors, thanks to Orwell and, and others are just are brilliant. Well, Raoul, enjoy the rest of your time in Glasgow. Enjoy the time that you're going to get to spend immersed in COP26 and, and joining the marches or whatever plans you've got to do to be part of the, the youth activism that's happening over the next couple of days. Thanks for performing the gigs. It sounds like they've gone down brilliantly. And, and we look forward to chatting you again soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for everything that you guys do. Great to hear from Raoul there. So happy to be able to get the opportunity to catch up with him whilst we're here in Glasgow. Faye, apart from the fact that Raoul was just a super lovely guy, what else did you make of the, the, the conversation that we had with him? Because he, he's here at COP more than just playing the gigs. He's, he's, he's getting involved, trying to, trying to learn and listen and all those types of things, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And he was at the, the panel I did last night watching audiobook, new fan of audiobooks as well. Yeah, he's here just staying, learning, involving himself, immersing himself in, in everything, going on the marches, etc. And yeah, I, I loved hearing about how at first they, he kind of like shrouded his lyrics about climate change and, and global issues in metaphor, kind of hiding behind artistry in a way for for not I guess not wanting to be finger waggy or you know not wanting to be too overt about things and then as his careers move forward they've got a huge platform they're a hugely popular band Mm -hmm. it's like okay we can just literally do a book and an album about climate change now this is all out so it's that progression I think is like probably mirrored in a lot of other artists um, journey with with these kind of issues I thought it was really creative hearing him talk about how they weave it into their live show in sort of more subtle ways like the the introduction of his his friend ed hawkins who's a kind of climate scientist bringing some of those visuals onto stage the actual backdrop of the gig was kind of like had some kind of climate messaging contained within it and they've been doing that for a few years but you know you can sort of be explicit you can still be creative i just think there's such a great example of just being of just weaving those worlds together and just and just constantly kind of wanting to listen lovely to hear him say that he felt like I mean, Raoul Reynolds is not an old guy, but like going on the youth marches and stuff is this just sort of like injection of energy, like being amongst that energy is just like whenever you feel like you're flagging or that you're feeling a little bit pessimistic or that your energy on this subject is running a bit low. It's just the reminder that you need to just be like, okay, I've been in charge myself up again now because I've gone and done this. And like, did you get that feeling from from attending the, the protest on Friday as well? Yes. Yeah. Although it was it was so heavy. A lot of those talks, as we mentioned earlier, the, the indigenous talks, it was it was a combination of that, like 
rousing youth energy, but also, yeah, very, just so much wisdom. There's so much wisdom in, in young people. And it's, that's something that I think is, um, is often overlooked. And I'd just like to give a shout out. There's a really amazing activist who's, who's not up in Glasgow. She worked on an event that happened on Saturday, which was driving a double-decker bus around the whole of London with bands playing on top. There's Nova Twins, Girly, Second Thoughts, and some other July Jones, some other artists DJing and playing. with emblazoned the entire bus is wrapped in Can You Hear Us Yet? And she's been working relentlessly for years to make music and climate youth-led activations happen and her energy and persistence really inspires me so Frances Fox if you're listening you're a legend for anyone else who's interested check out Climate Live that's her campaign 100% I just yeah I, I, I want to second that as well Frances's work is amazing Frances is not somebody who's been embedded in the music world for years and years and has loads of established connections she's coming at this with pure passion and organizing amazing things encountering loads of barriers of doing things for the first time and just yeah big up for like actually making this stuff happen and having determination and just please keep going so um, yeah check that out Climate Live they've got a website and they're on uh, we follow them on Instagram so go and check them out there finally Faye I don't think we can really leave listeners with a recommendation this week it feels like our brains are just a little bit scrambled <laughs> yeah. um, before we go I mean I, I kind of promise listeners next time we speak to you I kind of will have formulated my thoughts on the COP26 experience a little bit better and probably like articulate myself a little bit better like as you can maybe understand like being here is a very kind of intense emotional uh, tiring experience and so I hope we're just presenting the kind of the honest reality of that Faye what do you think you're going to kind of leave I mean having talked about COP26 probably now for a couple of years, like the build up to it, knowing that it was coming, the significance of it. What do you think you will leave it with? Or is that too big a question to, to answer? A sore stage? throat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from all the talking I've been doing. Yeah. You can hear it in my voice now. I think, well, as I mentioned earlier, I think leaving it with a renewed, um, I've, with Music Declares, we're really pushing for systemic change. We're looking towards governmental change and industry change. But really, I think it's time now to look back on my own life. What can I make more sustainable? I think it's like simplifying and being at peace with less and being at peace with making changes. So I think it's, yeah, I've got a week off next week. Yes. Amazing, amazing. Um, probably going to get back into some meditation. I think mindfulness is a really useful tool. Meditation is a really useful tool for coping with all this stuff. So, yeah, and for, for getting pleasure from less. Yeah. It's just you and your little head. Good idea. Good idea. I think together. it's going to be well needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think if right now my main kind of takeaway from COP is just a reminder of the power of people because I've had a bit of an experience of different things going on at COP, having been in the the blue campus where where the the scrum of the media and the world leaders and the negotiating teams have been in the green zone, been on the protests, been at the fringe talks, and honestly. It's been a reminder that like people are the most important thing to this. Of all of those experiences, being on the protest yesterday was the one that will stick with me for forever, forever. I will never, ever forget that. And I think that the response from business, the way we shop, the things we do, the things we demand, governments, to be honest, they're following business and they're following people because we are their voters, we're putting them in power. And it just brought it all back to me, to people power. And like, I know that this whole thing can feel alienating and you can feel like you're just kind of one person and you can't make a change. Honestly, being here in Glasgow is reminding me that if you can group together 
Start with one other person, that other person becomes 10 other people. Soon after, you've got 3,000 people signed up to your pledges on Music Declares Emergency, more mm. than that now probably. And, and that's how these things change. It's true. I in fact had a conversation yesterday that, um, which I know none of the facts of, so I said I wouldn't repeat it, but I'm repeating here I am, about the, um, basically the Berlin Wall came down partly because one person in the communication chain just said, yeah, borders open. <laughs> it was kind of like a miscommunication, right. but probably a planned one. Mm. If anyone can uh, write to us and give us the full story of that, that's really useful. Yeah. But it really is that one person's action of, of disruption mm. just had a domino effect of creating um, yeah, a huge change that no one thought could happen. You know, So Absolutely. yeah, do yeah. it whatever you're doing absolutely <laughs> well Faye and I will be back with you next time on the podcast with a little bit more sleep under our belts a few more collected thoughts and reflections on COP26 but for now thank you so much for everybody that's joined us and listened to us and I hope that you've learned a little bit about the experience of, of this and the presence that music has had at COP26 um, a shout out for our social media as well we're Sounds Like a Plan podcast on Instagram you can DM us there we like really love to hear from you if you listen to this and our email address is Sounds Like a Plan podcast at gmail.com and we will be back with you soon to share even more conversations thank you to our guest Raul Reynolds this time on the podcast thank you to you Faye you've been doing amazing work up here in Glasgow and we will speak to everybody very soon thanks for checking out this episode of Sounds Like a Plan Faye Milton was your host along with me Greg Cochran this podcast is made by New Allotment you can find more about them at newallotment.com special thanks to Mighty Moon Media who edited this episode and the amazing and kind people of Glasgow the artwork is by Stuart Stubbs and our theme music was created by lightandthunder.com until next time we're together thanks for listening